You are listening to audio from The Table Community Church. For more information, please visit us at thetablecc.com. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for willingly laying down your life for us. Thanks for the love and the grace that you continue to extend to us. Thanks for the work that you continue to do on our behalf as our advocate. And Lord Jesus, help us all to make you the Lord of our lives, that we would be willing to surrender everything we have to you. I pray that you would guide us over the next few minutes as we look at your word. Help us to understand how you want us to live in light of all that you've done for us. And it's in the name of our Savior Jesus that we pray. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. It is good to see everyone this morning. Um, For those that I haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Bill, and it's my privilege to serve as the lead pastor um, here at the table. Um, If you are a guest with us today, thanks so much for coming and checking us out. We would absolutely love to connect with you and answer any questions that you have about the church. And so if you are new with us, um, we would love for you to text the word welcome to 817-755-1668. And so that's true for anyone who's in the room. It's also true for those who are watching online. Um, That way we can just begin the connection process with you. And if you have questions about the church or even anything that you hear this morning, we want want to be able to answer those questions. And so we can just begin to build that Um, relationship process. So we're glad that you're here. Okay, so I have a question as we get started with the message this morning. The question is this, how many of you sometimes just walk around your house with your eyes closed um, to just see if you can navigate effectively? Probably, I know some of you are not not willing to raise your hand um, because you you don't want to seem weird in front of other people because it is weird that you would maybe choose to walk around your house with your eyes closed to just see if you can. Even if you don't as an adult, because it would be weird if you did that, you probably did at one point or another as a kid. I did. I did quite often. I can remember specifically um, several occasions where I would navigate my way from our living room, which was in the basement of our house, up to my bedroom, which was on the second floor, just to see if I could make it. And so what that meant was I'd first climb the first set of stairs out of our basement And then as soon as I got to the top of the stairs, I would hang a right turn, like a U-turn, immediately up the next hallway. And mom always had a lot of stuff on the wall, so I had to be careful about where I put my hand on the wall, too, because I didn't want to knock anything off of the wall. And then make my way down the hall, then reach the next set of stairs, immediately another right-hand U-turn up the stairs. When I got to the top of the stairs, I had another right-hand U-turn again to go down the hall past my sister's bedroom, then the bathroom, and finally into my room. And I will tell you, I got really good at making that journey. I mean, you just do it enough. You know roughly how many steps. It's weird. Like subconsciously, you just know how far things are. And so I got really good um, at making it from the basement up to my room. Now, I will tell you, I don't do that kind of thing anymore, just for fun, Um, but I do, what I find myself doing now is I get up really early in the morning. I'm always the first one up in our house, and because I I get up first thing in the morning, I don't turn any lights on because I don't want to wake anybody else up. I just want to have some time to myself, you know, first thing in the morning, and so what I have to do is uh, navigate from our bedroom into the kitchen where I can get my cup of coffee. 
Um, and, and so I've gotten relatively good at making that journey in the dark, sometimes during the year. I mean, it's really dark, like you can't hardly see anything in the dark. And so I know how to make that journey because I know where the furniture is and the obstacles are, at least where they're supposed to be. Um, but you can imagine what it's like when maybe the kids the night before left something out in a place that it's not supposed to be, and I can't see it in the dark as I make my way into the kitchen, and I, you can imagine just the things that go through my head, um, never out loud, um, but go through my head as I stub my toe or nearly fall over something um, that's left there. Part of the reason that I bring all of that up this morning is because I think that's how a lot of people live their life. It's like they live life with their eyes closed, because they don't understand what should be guiding our lives, what should be the things that help us to make decisions and navigate successfully through life. Now, if you look on the outside, you'll be able to find some people that seem like they've got it all figured out. They, they may not understand exactly what's guiding their decision-making process. They're going through life with their eyes closed, but they seem to be doing it relatively well. But here's the problem. What happens when there's an obstacle in the way that wasn't there where it used to be? Because that's when we stumble and fall. So if you've got your Bible, I'd invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 11. We're looking this morning at Luke chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. I want to talk a little bit about what should be guiding our lives and how to make sure that what should be guiding our lives is actually guiding our lives. This is week two of our series called Coming Up for Air. And so if you were here last week, I explained this. In this series, we're It's just designed to to kind of give us some perspective on life, maybe take a little bit of a breath, um, kind of recharge somewhat. And so today, I I think really what we're doing is kind of gaining some perspective in life. And so I want you to just think about maybe what's guiding your life right now, if you know that. And then as we talk through what should be guiding our lives, maybe there are some things that we need to all be doing differently to make sure that what should be guiding our lives is actually doing what it's supposed to be doing. And here in the passage that we're looking at this morning, which if you don't have a Bible in front of you, it will be on the screen behind me as I read it here in just a second. Or if you are a YouVersion Bible app user, um, feel free to use that tool. That's our weekly commercial for that. Lots of helpful things in there. But in this section, Jesus is talking about light and how light should be guiding our lives. So this is Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 33. No one lights a lamp and puts it, under, puts it in a cellar. Or under a basket, but on a lampstand, so that those who come in may see its light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when it's bad, your body is also full of darkness. Take care, then, that the light in you is not darkness. If, therefore, your whole body is full of light, with no part of it in darkness, it will be entirely illuminated, as when a lamp shines its light on you." The first thing that Jesus says in this section is nobody lights a lamp and puts it in a cellar or under a basket. And I think generally speaking, we read that, we kind of get what he's saying, but yet at the same time, it's very much a cultural reference that we need to probably take some time to understand a little bit more so that we understand the significance of what Jesus is actually talking about. So, I mean, obviously Jesus said these words long before there was electricity. And so in the time of Jesus, at night, a home would be lit typically by a single lamp that was fueled by just a little bit of oil. 
not a lot of candle power in that lamp. It would be more than just a single candle, but not much more than that. And so if you had a single lamp in your house, what Jesus is saying is it doesn't make any sense that you would do anything to cover up that lamp. You would not put a basket on it or a shade on it to cover that light or um, shield it a little bit. That doesn't make any sense. But what you would do if you had a lamp, you would put it on a lampstand so that it would shine across the entire room and do what it was meant to do, light up the entire space. And so what Jesus is saying in, in this first part is like, we have to do everything that we can to make sure light is doing what it was meant to do. We've got to make sure that there aren't any obstacles, any barriers in the way from the light doing what it was meant to do. Now, as Jesus is talking, he is that light, or maybe even more broadly speaking, his teaching is that light. His teaching should be guiding us. It's the light that should be guiding our lives. So we want to make sure that we don't do anything to put a shade over that light, but then there's also another problem potentially that we have that would hinder the light from being able to do what it was meant to do, and that's the health of our eyes. So that's kind of the second part where Jesus talks about the, the eye is the lamp of the body. And so what Jesus is saying is that if our eye is healthy, then the light is able to do what it was meant to do. It's really... Uh, there's probably a, a very old understanding behind this of how the eye worked. At the time, scholars believed that people uh, thought the eye was like a mirror. So it reflects the light from outside inside the body so that the body knows what to do. Regardless of the, the exact imagery or understanding, we kind of understand what Jesus is saying. If your eye is healthy, the light's doing what it's meant to do, and our eye is healthy, therefore we can see the light so that it's able to guide and direct what it is that we need to do. But if our eye is not healthy, if there's something like a cataract or something like that, then we have something that's keeping the light from doing what it was meant to do. But the point of this is very clearly Jesus is saying, hey, we have to do everything that we can to make sure that there aren't any shades or coverings over that light and make sure that our eye is healthy as possible so that the light of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, guides everything that we do. That's the truth of this passage. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. But yet at the same time, it's, I understand that. There are a few questions that I want to ask about this to make sure that the light of Jesus is doing what it was meant to do. And so the first question that I want to ask is, well, how do we know that the light of Jesus is actually guiding our lives? And I think the way that we know that, we know that the light of Jesus is guiding our lives when we are becoming more like Jesus. Now, I think we talk about guiding our lives, at least in my mind, my mind goes this way. I think Okay, decisions and direction. And so I think about what I'm supposed to do. And oftentimes in church, when we think about what we're supposed to do, that lends itself to asking the question, well, what is God's will for my life? And if you grew up in church the way that I did, really God's will centered around two very specific things, two big questions in life. Number one is what you're going to do for a job, and number two, who you're going to marry. Now, the problem is when that's what we get stuck thinking, 
Oftentimes as young people, it's like paralyzing because you just don't know. Like, how am I supposed to know what I'm supposed to do? What does God want me to do with my life? What's the career that God wants me to have? And then how do I ever know who God wants me to, to marry? And so when we get stuck thinking about decisions and direction and what God wants me to do, I think it causes us to miss something that's even more significant than just what God wants me to do. Because it's really more about who God wants me to become. And so as we think about the light of Jesus guiding our lives, it, now it influences what we do, but it's more about who we are than what we do. What I'm talking about is the inward transformation of our hearts so that we become more like Jesus. And so the question is, are you becoming more like Jesus? Now, as we think about that question, it's like, how do I know if I'm becoming more like Jesus? I think the answer is relatively simple. You look at the life of Jesus and the character of Jesus and say, am I becoming more like him? So we could talk about a bunch of different things. One of the things that we could talk about is the fruit of the Spirit. And this is really, I think, encompassed in the character of Jesus. But yet at the same time, the fruit of the Spirit, it's listed for us in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, it's written by the Apostle Paul to the church where he says the outworking of the Spirit of God in your life are these characteristics of goodness, graciousness, patience, kindness, gentleness. I'm getting them all out of order. It doesn't really matter. You can look at them later in Galatians chapter 5. Gentleness, goodness, kindness, peace, patience, whatever, Ronnie. You, you know the answer. Um, so just think about those things. And so ask yourself, am I becoming, am I living out those things better? Is my life exemplifying those kinds of things? But that's not the only thing that's encompassed in Jesus' life, though. There are other things as well. Things like truthfulness, speaking the truth, knowing the truth. We can look at the life of Jesus and characterize his life with the word righteousness, always doing what is right regardless of what other people think or the, the pressures around us from others. We see in Jesus justice, which I would define as the equal treatment of all people. And this wasn't just something that Jesus exemplified himself, but was, it was something that he fought for in his world. I think it's interesting sometimes people get the wrong idea of Jesus because of the terms meekness and gentleness, and they associate that with weakness and see Jesus as being weak. But he was not that. Now, he was meek and gentle, but yet strong and had very strong convictions. And so it's, as we look at the life of Jesus, we have to be asking ourselves, am I becoming more like Jesus? Those characteristics, are those characteristics that I look at in Jesus's life, Am I living out those characteristics so that I am becoming more like Jesus? When I am, I know the light of Jesus is guiding my life. Because again, it's not so much about what we do as much as it is about who we are. Now, but there's another question that I want to ask. Okay, so if we know that when we're becoming more like Jesus, that's when the light of Jesus is guiding my life. The next question that I want to ask based on what Jesus is talking about here, because he talks about this lampshade and he talks about the health of our eye. I want to know what are the barriers that might be in my own life or around me that would keep me from seeing, understanding, and applying the truth of Jesus to my life effectively. 
And so I think it's really important for us to talk about some of those barriers to make sure that we are able to see the truth and understand the truth and apply it to our lives correctly. See, something that we all have to understand when it comes to our ability to see and understand and apply the truth of Jesus, and maybe even more broadly speaking, the truth of the Word of God, we have to understand that we all have biases that we take to our understanding of Scripture. We have biases in our life because we are sinful people. And so the more that we understand the biases that we have, it's, we're going to be a whole lot better at really understanding the truth rather than the truth that comes through our own lens. And so again, it's, I, I want to just point out some of the, the barriers and the biases that we have in our ability to understand Scripture. And so the first barrier that keeps us from understanding the truth of Jesus and applying it correctly to our lives is me. And I think this is the biggest barrier that we have. I think I am my own worst enemy when it comes to my understanding, my ability to understand and apply Scripture. It's a universal problem. We all have this issue because we are all sinners. As a sinner, we are prone to be selfish And so then when it comes to our understanding of the Bible and the teaching of Jesus, here's what happens because we are selfish people. We are prone to read ourselves into the good parts of Scripture and the challenging parts of Scripture. We are always prone to read somebody else into those passages. So when we go to reading scripture, when, it, when Jesus is ministering to somebody in the margin, or when he's healing somebody, or uh, extending love and grace to a sinner, we always read ourselves into that part of scripture. We're like, man, like, I just know Jesus loves me. And not that we shouldn't do that. We should see ourselves in those parts of scripture. Or maybe when we um, read a, a passage like Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are you when people say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake, we read that section and we think, man, like I'm the most blessed person on the face of the earth because people say all kinds of bad things about me all the time. Never once thinking about the things that we're doing to cause people to say those bad things about us all the time. So that's part of our, just our selfishness. We read ourselves into the good parts of scripture and we know that Especially in Jesus' ministry, it wasn't always good. There were some times where he really challenged people, too. There's a group of religious leaders, specifically, that Jesus often challenged. They're known as the Pharisees. They're the ones who understood the law, so they followed all the right rules in the right way at the right time all the time. Well, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs, meaning they did what was right on the outside, but their hearts were far from Jesus. And so we read a passage where Jesus is saying, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, or something like that. And we think, man, I know somebody who's like that all the time. I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many times have you sat through a service and there was a message and you're like, man, like I know somebody who needs to hear this. We fail to think, maybe I'm the one who needs to hear this. But see, that's our own, the biasness of our own selfishness. We see ourselves in the good parts, and we're prone to see other people in the bad parts. There's another barrier that's a part of this too, a a part of who we are, and that's the barrier of our own experience. So often it's our experience that we take into a reading of Scripture, and so we use our experience to interpret Scripture rather than the other way around. And so sometimes that can be even things like a church experience too, 
You know, if you grew up in church or maybe you've heard something in church and it may not be quite right, but we, we think we understand something and so that, we, that understanding that we think we have, that's what we take and apply and maybe it's right, maybe it's not. So there's the barrier of our experience and then there's another barrier too that's all about me and that is just our own sinfulness. And what I mean here is we can see the truth of Scripture, the truth of a teaching of Jesus. We can understand that truth of Jesus. We can understand how to apply that truth of Jesus in our lives, but our sinfulness says, I'm just not going to do it. So we understand what's right to do, but we're like, for whatever reason, because we're sinful people, like, I just don't care. I'm not going to do that. And that's, uh, I think, in, in the way that Jesus lays out this passage for us, this is the part of the health of our eye. Right? We have to make sure that our eyes are healthy so that there's not that barrier that we make for ourselves keeping us from letting the light of Jesus guide our lives. So there are those internal things, me being the biggest part of that. But then there are also some external barriers too that I think are really important to identify so that the light of Jesus is guiding our lives the way that it was meant to. And the first external barrier is just a cultural one. Again, it's our, our culture that often shapes our understanding of Scripture. Um, just give you a couple of examples. Like, I mean, here in America, the American dream is really, I think, highly influential on the way that we think and how we see the world. And I'll just define the American dream for us. I mean, for our purposes today, just a life of comfort and ease. Okay, so we read a passage of Scripture where Jesus was teaching, like in Matthew 6, where he says, Don't worry about what you wear or what you eat, but seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given unto you. And we think, great, I don't have to worry about Jesus meeting my needs. And in the back of our mind, we're thinking a house of a certain size with five televisions, the smallest of which is 40 inches, um, and, and scattered around the appropriate places in our homes so that we have this in- entertainment and life as easy as possible. I mean, that's just how we think, naturally. And I'm not sure that that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, I'll meet the needs that you have. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago on July 4th. Freedom and independence. We read about freedom in the Bible. We just define that based on our cultural American understanding of freedom. Like, you can't tell me what to do. And that's how we understand Scripture. But I don't think that that's what Jesus was talking about. So there's the, the bias of our culture that lampshade, so to speak, of our culture that can inhibit our ability to see and understand the truth of Jesus and apply it appropriately. Another barrier that we have are just like friends or family members and people around us. Our sense of belonging is such a powerful motivator in our lives that Sometimes consciously, at other times subconsciously, we may not even be aware of it, but we just think in the back of our minds, if I do this, or if I say this, or if I make this change, then will I still fit in with this group of people that I've had this sense of belonging with for such a long time? And so it is friends or relatives or or people around us that sometimes can inhibit our ability to apply the truth of God in the right way. I want to give you one more. And this is the one uh, 
I mean, honestly, I'm probably going to make some people upset as I say this, and so it's okay. I'll deal with it. If you disagree with me, feel free to email me. It's not a big deal. I'll handle it. But listen, because I think this is so significant in the world that we live in today. But another barrier that keeps us from understanding and applying the truth of God's word correctly is cable news media, social media, and other sources of media. I've heard this said a number of times. I wish I knew who said it first. I would give credit to that person. But they said that we are being discipled by our cable news choice better than we are being discipled by the Bible at this point. And so you've got to understand why this is the case. Social media is this way. Our choice of cable news especially is this way. It's designed to tell us that we are right. So nothing is fair and balanced. It's just reinforcing beliefs that we already have. If that's what's happening in the world around us with our source of news, which is going to shape the way that we think regardless, what happens when we go to reading Scripture? Well, we read Scripture the exact same way. So that we begin to read Scripture thinking, how is this going to tell me that I'm right? When really, I think we should probably be reading Scripture to try to figure out the places that were wrong so that we can get it right. And so it's all this stuff that are, are barriers inhibiting our ability from letting the light of Jesus do what it was meant to do and guide us the way that it was meant to do, to bring about that transformation in our lives. Things that we have to take care of, like the health of our eyes, but also the external things too, the, the lampshades. We've got to make sure that we get rid of those things. And so the last question that we have, and I want to ask is, well, how do we actually do it? How do we make sure that the light of Jesus is in fact doing what it was meant to be doing? That we're getting rid of these barriers and these obstacles, the health of our eyes, the way that it is meant to be, so that the light of Jesus can in fact guide our lives to bring about that transformation. I want to give you three things really quickly. Number one is this. Read the Bible daily with purpose. Read the Bible daily with purpose. Now, notice I said read the Bible with purpose. Not just read the Bible. Now, is something better than nothing? Yes, something is better than nothing, but the better off we are at reading it with purpose, then we'll be able to break through some of those barriers. There's not going to be the lampshades, all those kinds of things in the light of Jesus can illuminate our lives. So what do I mean when I say let's read the Bible with purpose? Typically, I think the way that most people read the Bible, and I'm, I mean, I'm prone to do this too. So the first thing I want to do when I read a passage of scripture is say, where am I in this? And again, because of our selfishness, where that leads us often is I find myself in the good parts. I find somebody else in the bad parts. Okay, so we have to read with purpose, and reading with purpose starts not with where do I fit in, but simply, well, what does the Bible say? When you read a passage of Scripture, what does it say? And then the second question that you ask is, what does it mean? Not what does it mean for me, but what does it mean in general? So what does it mean for all people at all times? And so if I can understand that principle, it's then that I can say, how do I take that principle and apply it to my life? Now, there's a sense in which this is really a learned skill. It takes a little bit of practice. And I've mentioned this before a few weeks ago. If you're like, man, like I just wish I had somebody who would be willing to meet with me and help me to understand how to read the Bible better, understand more about the Bible. This, earlier this year, we trained um, a bunch of disciple makers, people who 
want to meet with you if that's where you are. And a big part of our disciple-making process is helping you to understand how to read and, 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 and apply the Bible better. And so we have people that want to do that. And so if you're saying, hey, I would love somebody to meet with me over the course of you know, several weeks to, to be able to do that, we have people that have been trained and are ready to do that. So please let us know. So that's first. Read the Bible daily with purpose. Second thing, this is something else that I think is really important. Make sure that you're being exposed to practical teaching regularly. Make sure that you're being exposed to practical teaching regularly. Now, hopefully, when you show up on Sunday mornings, that's what's happening, that you're being exposed to practical teaching. It is my hope that you walk away every Sunday, if I'm speaking or anybody else, Wayne or Melissa, or who else is up here speaking, that you walk away knowing how you should think or how you should behave as a result of what we're talking about in a message. I hope, it's my hope, it's a win for me when you walk away saying, this is what I'm going to do as a result of this message. So you got to be exposed to practical teaching regularly. Now, if, if, there are other sources of practical teaching too, not just what happens on a Sunday morning here. And if, if you're like, man, like, I, I need more, I want to understand more, I want to learn more, I, I'll let you know some of the great resources that are available to us, point you to some tools that we have access to and things like that. But you've got to be um, exposing yourself to practical teaching regularly. So you begin to understand more and more about how to Feed yourself in the process, too, as you see how other people take and apply Scripture. So that's something that's really important. The third thing I think is really important as well, let other people speak into your lives. Let other people speak into your lives. This is really important because of those biases that we have. Again, because we're prone to read ourselves into the good parts of Scripture and read somebody else into the bad parts of Scripture. And so we need uh, others to just hear their experiences and, and how they see Scripture because our, the lens of our own experience may cause us to think something wrongly about a, a passage of Scripture. And so we can hear the way that somebody else hear, reads it and understands it. Maybe that helps us to understand it a little bit more too. And because of our own biases, we just naturally develop blind spots in our lives as well. And so there are times where we need somebody to come alongside of us that knows us and that we trust who says, hey, in this area, you're getting it wrong, and here's what you need to do to get it right. And this is really what our groups are about. We want all of our small groups to be some of that, where you're studying the Bible together with other people, so you're learning from their experiences, how they see the Word of God, how they're applying it to their lives, and then hopefully you're building relationships with people in that group. There's somebody there that you trust who would come alongside of you and expose those blind spots to you at different times. But listen, here's what I want you to know as we finish up this morning. Don't be satisfied to just go through life with your eyes closed. You might make it for a while. You might be really good at navigating through life without being able to see anything, but that's not the way that we're meant to live because it's the light of Jesus that should be guiding everything that we do so that we become more like Jesus. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray that through the work of your Holy Spirit in us, who you promised to give to us as a guide into all truth, that your Spirit would guide us in this so that we can effectively take your word, the teachings of Jesus and his life, and apply it to our lives so that you transform who we are and make us more like Jesus in all that we do. We need your help in this. 
And so, Father, I pray that you be at work in our lives. May the light of Jesus be our guide in all that we do so that we become the people that you desire us to be. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.